0: Uh, okay, so just by the way, if you're here, welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're here and you've been here forever, then you've noticed a whole bunch of changes. We are so glad you stayed with us through the journey. If you're here and you're new, um, you came on a really good day. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. Um, but along with that, uh, I just want to just slow down real quick. I just want to talk through some stuff because there's a lot of questions. We didn't set the stage on fire before service, just so you know. Like some people are like, it's smoky in here. Is there a fire? There's not a fire. Not a fire. Some people said, man, you guys are making this a rock show. Y'all, I pray this doesn't become a rock show. That's, that's not what we're doing. And so we just want to slow down and talk through some of those things real quick. So uh, you'll notice that the, the screens are larger because somebody came in and told me, you think your screens are big enough? Okay, so, so hang on. The screens are that size, and they're aimed that direction very, very intentionally, and here's why. Once our team, our tech team, um, gets up to speed in using the equipment, our goal is that whoever is on stage, from worship to speakers, that um, you would actually be able to see their face on screen, because there are some in the room, when the room gets this large, you struggle to hear me because you can't get facial recognition. The idea is the face will be on the screen so that you can still see the face with the words. And that way it makes it better for you to hear. We're trying to love people well. That's why they're, the reason they're angled this way is you can actually see through me to that screen. You never have to just stare at a wall. You're always still centered facing the, facing the stage and being able to see. So if you're on this side, you got that. You're that side, you got that. Um, along with that, uh, we made a lot of changes to the room when it comes to lighting, And lighting is very, very intentional. Uh, You may look at it and go, I don't like it. That's okay. There's another person sitting next to you that goes, I love lights. Lights do something for me in connectivity with God. So what we're trying to do is we tried to pick lights that were very, very tasteful. Why? Because we want to create a mood and we want to create an atmosphere that is conducive and enhances worship the the goal isn't to become a rock show the the reason for the haze some of you may be going just bear with us it's all new we're still figuring stuff out we don't know what the exact right amount is and not we're, we're working with it right but what we're what we are doing is we recognize in a room this size that during worship you might have noticed all the lights above you change color the reason for that is it makes the room more intimate so even though you're in a large church you st- it still feels small um, one of the reasons with um, the haze is it helps bring the room and the walls down, which, again, makes it feel more intimate and closer. Our goal, and we, I didn't get everything I wanted, by the way. That might surprise you. I wanted this whole back wall to be an LED panel. And, and here's what I was told. You can do that. Well, not by bill because it was too much money. But you can do that, but it will distract people from worshiping. And that was the minute we went, it's not worth it. We're not going to do it. So what we did is we noticed that, that when this TV's on, when this is our only lyrics in the middle, when this TV's on and somebody's worshiping from here, you can't see the lyrics. So we went, man, how do we create it so that the whole room, instead of on this side, they're looking at that screen, that side's looking at that screen, middle, you're trying to figure out what to do and picking one. And we went, what if we could put the lyrics in the middle where no one would ever get in front of them, and now the entire room can face the same way, and we can be cohesive together? Yeah. Yeah. Our goal in this whole journey has been, um, even down to the sound system, that the sound is equal no matter where you sit in this room. Because in the old one, there were holes where if you sat in that seat, you couldn't hear. It was hard to hear. And and so what we've done is with the sound system is it's equal no matter which seat you have. There are no bad seats in this room. Um, Again, the goal is to love people well. We want people to come in and know that there's zero distraction in them being able to worship and them being able to, because to, we're here because our God's living, right? And so our worship should be living. So the atmosphere should create that, that same environment and feel. And so that's what we're doing. I also was told this morning, we didn't think it would happen this fast, but I was told that if we can get our, our teams trained um, in the time that we think we can, that we can go online, live stream, worship, and message um, it'll be a little, not quite all what we want, but we can get it up in about a month. In a month, we will be live streaming out of here. Yeah. So lots of exciting stuff. Um, if you have more questions, you can fire away as you see me or some of the tech guys around. But um, we are so thankful for what God has done. We, we are spoiled, church. We are spoiled. Um, so we are in week three of Make or Break. And if some of you are like, oh, that's what the video was, because on the old screen, you couldn't see it. And now you're like, oh, that's what the image is, right? So Make or Break um, is happening, um, or not happening, we're continuing today, week four, I believe it is, so far, to catch you up if you haven't been here, we're in the book of Acts, uh, what well, All we're doing is looking at the early church and saying there were moments for the early church where they had these make or break type moments. And the way they responded then, to them from decision making to um, how it affected the church at large as it continued on. And, and today we're going to hit one that's a make or break, but it's not necessarily like how did this affect the entire church. This make or break is more individual to what God is doing in moments of, of how we view them becomes a make or break. So, so, for example, I, a couple of weeks ago, my wife goes, hey, what are you doing Monday? And I'm like, uh, nothing much. She goes, it's your day off, right? I'm like, yes, ma'am. It is my day off. She goes, good. You, you can go to kindergarten pee. <laughs> that sounds like it is, by the way. That, that chuckle, it really is what it is, right? So she goes, you can go to kindergarten pee and, and I'll be honest with you, in a moment of honesty and clarity, I didn't want to go. Like there's nothing within me that wants to go to kindergarten PE. And, and so she goes, you're going to go. And, and the Lord did something for me because he changed my attitude before I got there. He changed my perspective because this is a make or break moment. I can go and do it and check a list and I just go through a process. Right. But in this, in this, the Lord goes, Hey, this is a phenomenal opportunity. To just love your daughter. Well, and I went, okay, I'm in, I'm in. And so we get there, and I'm signing in, and as I'm signing in, I'm looking around for who else is signing in, right? And I'm like, eyeing up the competition, if you know what I mean, because we're here for PE. We're going to win this thing. And and so we get there, and there's three ladies, and and I was like, oh, man, I'm definitely going to be the only guy, which was one of my fears, that I was the only dad in the room. And this other dad shows up, and I want to give him a hug. I didn't, because that's weird. But... (laughs) Like, I'm like, yes, and other dude's in the building, right? And, and I'm, I, I end up the competition, and I'm like, oh, I can definitely take those two ladies. That third one, she looks like she works out and could snap me in two, but we'll see how that works out, right? So I, I'm standing next to the dad, and I'm all excited because he's there, and, and uh, ask him his name. And then the next question is, which, so which one's your, your kid? Oh, it's that one over there. So I eye up his kid, and I'm like, oh, we got you, bro. We got you, we got this. So, so teacher comes out and she's phenomenal, Melissa, if you're here, being what you do. There she is right there. You're amazing. Um, so, so we're there and, and, it, and it's like, it, it's on, right? I'm ready. And I'm like, do I participate or do I just cheer my kid? I don't know. So I'm standing there with the other dad. I'm like, if he moves, I'm in. So we're standing there and, and the first thing is, uh, come on, we're gonna skip. when was the last time you skipped exactly so i'm like i don't even remember how to skip but but melissa goes come on dads we're like all right here we go let's let's figure out how to how to skip right and it's this weird limp we got going and and we're limping around and then it's gallop and the kids just take off they're like horses they're gone right and we're like hold up hold up we don't remember how to gallop so we're like Lame horses behind that they should have put out of their misery, and, and so then then it's then it's go get a beanbag, right? And so you go over to this area, you pick up a beanbag, come back. I didn't realize it. There's a bunch of squares on the floor. They all have their own square. They know which one's their square. And I'm watching these kids, like looking around, like like they're searching. And I'm I look at my my daughter and I go, just pick one. She's like, no, no. And I'm like, okay, all right. And she finds hers. She's on it. And, and so we're holding the beanbag, and it's just do what you can with it. Okay, like, and so there's kids just flinging the thing. And the girl next to me, who's my daughter's friend, she puts it on her leg and she goes, she's bouncing, she goes, can you do this? I swear she's a gymnast because she had good balance. Um, so I didn't beat her, so, so it's not going so well. I can't skip, I can't gallop. Like, it's not going well, right? But I got new perspective. I'm there for who? I'm there for my daughter, right? But we are going to win something. So so we we get into... The, it's a race car, right? There's a track on the outside. You're the, you're the race car. So some go in the, the pit stop where they stretch. And, and your partner, so my daughter's in the pit stop. I'm in the lane. I'm going to win this thing, right? So, so we get out there. And, and of course, Melissa goes, it's not a race. You called it race cars. That's a race. So, so I get out there and, and I look over. Okay, yeah, if you don't know Nacho Libre, just ignore this for a second. Anybody know who Choncho is? Yeah. Choncho is standing next to me, y'all. And I'm like, oh, Choncho, it's a bad day for you, bro. I got this. So, so we start going, and we're going along. And I look at Choncho. I'm like, how you doing, bro? He's like, <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is it. I am home free, right? We do two laps. Wouldn't you know it? Little Choncho kicks into gear in the second lap. He's been playing me the whole time. He takes off. He's gone. And I'm like, it's not a race. She said it. <laughs> but found out that day I can hula hoop. Didn't know I could hula hoop. I'm actually pretty good at it. Um, but, but it was one of these days where uh, we got done and my daughter looks at me and she goes, can you come to recess with me? Had God not changed my perspective, it would have looked a whole lot different. And I think there's a lot of those make-or-break moments in our life, that if God doesn't change your perspective, it'll make or break you. Um, in Acts chapter 16, if you have a Bible, um, some of you are like, praise God, he finally got to the Bible. <laughs> um, but in Acts chapter 16, there's a context that we're about to dive into, and it goes something like this, that Paul and, and his companions who, who were traveling with him, they go, um, to Philippi. And when they get to Philippi, they go outside the city to a place of prayer. They meet a lady named Lydia. Um, she's wealthy, well-to-do, and there's a miraculous, she's saved in a miraculous way. And, and coming out of that then, um, they stay there. She demands that they come and be a part of the community for a while. And so they're there and they, they're going back. And in this verse, we find that they're going back to that place of prayer. So verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. So, so they're going to a place of prayer. They're doing what they did on, on the initial part of the visit. And what I want you to get from that is they're doing something good. They're doing something godly. It's in the midst of, of, of attempting to put God on display, if you like, or, or take a step in the faith journey. They're going to this place of prayer. And in the midst of that, they're met by this female slave who has a spirit. That, that, that female slave specifically can predict the future. Now, in those days, if you were able to predict the future, you were a high commodity. The reason being, um, emperors or military generals, they wouldn't even go to, go to war or sign a decree without consulting someone who could predict the future. Because they believed their odds were better. this person said it was going to work out. It's going to work out. So this person was a high commodity in this community. But Paul and his companions, they're heading to go and do something that is godly and good. In the midst of that, she now shows up. And it says specifically that she's earning bank for her employers. Next verse. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. So so initially, this doesn't sound bad, right? She's following them going, hey, these people are are of the most high God. They're telling you the way to be saved. She's announcing for them, which doesn't sound bad, but in the cultural context of what's taking place. The, the phrase, most high God, for us, that stands alone. We have the Old Testament. It's used for God. We, we, we ascribe that to God. But in this culture, in the Greek and Roman culture, what, when you said most high God, that was also used for Zeus. And so there's not a standout that you're talking about a specific God. You're just announcing either Zeus or another God like Zeus. And so there's a comparison. And then on top of that, it says specifically who are telling you the way to be saved. That The Roman emperor, emperor himself believed that he was a savior. So people showing up to save other people, this isn't new. This isn't big news. This isn't anything that they haven't heard before. It just gets lumped into the category of the rest. So it becomes a very negative thing. It becomes opposition to what they were trying to do. Next verse she kept this up for many days. So she's following them for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that word annoyed. You can translate irked. You can translate it angry, or you can actually put a phrase in there that says so annoyed that he was annoyed to death, right? That he turned around and said to the spirit in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. So, so so now she's following them. Opposition has come. He turns around. He's so mad. He yells at her in the name of Jesus. The spirit has to leave. And it's all done out of a motive that isn't necessarily. And this is why I love the Bible. This isn't one of Paul's finer moments. This isn't one of his clean and, and well thought out. and well, he's, he's just ticked. He's had enough. And, and he responds in this moment. Next verse. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. So so now the owners go, wait a minute, wait a minute. The spirit's gone. Now we're not going to be able to, to make money on her anymore. Now they're mad because of what Paul's done. But but here's what I want to kind of connect dots as we go along. You see. Sometimes we think that when we follow God and when we step out and do godly things, that, that nothing should come against us, right? Sometimes we think that opposition shouldn't stand against us. But, but this morning, can we, can we just rally around the thought that if we'll change our view of that, it can become a make or break for us? Because if I change my view and view opposition that I face, that the opposition actually provides opportunities to see God work. You see, had this girl never showed up, Paul would have never had the opportunity to set her free from the bondage she was in. She is a slave. She is owned by these people. They are mad because in terms of human trafficking, she doesn't have any value anymore. And so what happened is the opposition actually created an opportunity for God to show up. I wonder what opposition you face this morning. I wonder what moments in your life that that if you would view it as the opposition is a good thing, not a negative thing, because it's going to provide you an opportunity to see the hand of almighty God work, how we would actually interact with that opposition that faces us. Too many times, I don't know what your friends are like, but this is what my friends are like sometimes or people, acquaintances, whatever oh man, I'm just getting attacked. It's just one attack after another attack after another attack. And it's a very, very negative thing. The problem is the more words you speak over you that are negative, you will become a negative person. I heard this just recently that you can't have negative thoughts and a negative attitude and expect a positive life. You're not going to see God move if if you're so caught up and so in turmoil over the opposition that you face. But instead, the opposition is actually providing you with the opportunity to see God work. And so the story carries on then. So they drag them into the marketplace before the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. So the only claim they have against them is they're, they're Jews, and they're creating this uproar around us. Next verse. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept a practice. Now, you've got to understand that the Roman Empire was very, very fragile. And what I mean by that was if there was any thought of uproar or anyone coming against, they would, they would crush it as fast as they heard about it. So if you were going to make a claim against somebody, they don't go to them and go, hey, hey, these guys are bad. They set this girl free. They don't do that. They go and say, hey, these guys are bad, so, so it's unjust the way this is going down. It's not the whole truth. Next verse. The crowd joined in, so now there's a mob in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Okay, so so they do a good thing. They're on their way to a good thing. Opposition comes. The opposition becomes an opportunity now. God sets this girl free. In the midst of setting her free, there's now these things called consequences that fall on Paul and Silas. And the consequences end up taking them into an inner cell where they've been beaten, severely beaten and and harmed. And now they're locked in stocks and can't move. And they're in the, the, the most secure part of the whole thing. You see, consequences provide opportunities. Had they not ended up where they are, had there not been consequences to their action, they would never have ended up in the place that they did. But see, in the place that they are, there's now a fresh opportunity. And I don't know what your life's been like, and I don't know what your choices have been like, but sometimes when it comes to consequences, we get so worked up over the consequences that happen to us and how unjust they are. There's nothing just about this. That, that, that you get in a space where all of a sudden you're, you're looking at the consequences of life and they become a negative. Can I tell you that those consequences are actually providing you an opportunity to see the hand of God in a new way. I believe that every single one of us showed up today because we want to see the hand of God work in our life. Right? Amen. Y'all, I know the new stuff's pretty, but it's not that pretty. Right. Seriously though, we're here because we want to see Almighty God do something. But what if Almighty God is going to do it through the consequences you hate? What if he shows up in the midst of the consequences of your choice that you wake up to every single day and you're hurt by it? I want to encourage you this morning that God is providing you a fresh opportunity to see him in a whole new way. And without those consequences, you may never see him in that way. The story carries on. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them, because that's what you would do, right? Right? Man, you got thrown in jail. You got beaten. You're hurting. Your back's probably bleeding. You're bruised. You're in the inner cell. You're in stocks. You can't move at all. You can't lift your hands. No, no lifting your hands in worship. And you're just praising and worshiping God. I wish, I hope, I pray that that's my kind of faith if I ever make that point. But they are praising. And that comes back to that view. They're in, and they're in expectancy. God's going to do something. And so they're having a worship service with no lights and no jala. Next verse. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake. Suddenly, there's such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's, everyone's chains came loose. Now, we don't have time to deal with this right now, but can we just all agree that that's one mighty God? Next verse. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. He's actually saying it's better that I kill myself than Rome come and catch me. Next verse. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That might be one of the most important questions in the entire Bible. Simplest and most important that you could ever have. What must I do to be saved? Next verse. They reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It's simple church. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Next verse. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others. This is important because the whole household gets saved. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. It is worth reading the rest. We don't have time. Read it, please. We started out with them going to do something good. And in the midst of going to do something good, they faced opposition. Opposition provided the opportunity for this young lady to be released from her chains, to be set free. She's a slave. She's in bondage. She's not her own. They set her free. That triggers now consequences that provide a different opportunity. This opportunity means that they will land in a cell. When they land in that cell, they choose to view it as an opportunity provided by God to just keep worshiping him. In the midst of worshiping him, all of a sudden, God shows up in a mighty way. There's an earthquake that shows up, shakes the foundations, chains fall off, and a jailer and his entire family come to meet Jesus. They encounter Jesus for the first time. That would never have happened had it not been for the opportunity that was provided through all these things. You see, your circumstances... Your circumstances provide the opportunity for God to show up. You see, you might be looking at your life right now and you're like, John, I don't have enough money. I don't know where my bills are coming. Can I tell you that your circumstances provide God the opportunity to meet them? You might be hearing you, go, I'm losing my job. And then God's giving you an opportunity because he's going to do something else. Your marriage might be struggling and you're in a circumstance where you're carrying it and you're holding it and you're going, I don't know if I can do it. That circumstance is providing you to see God in a fresh way and see him show up in new ways. You might have kids that you're going, man, my kids are just making bad choices and I don't know what to do with them. My kids keep walking away from the Lord. Those circumstances are providing you opportunities to see God in a fresh way. If you didn't have those circumstances, you wouldn't see God like you see him today. You see, I don't know how you came in the room. I don't know what you walked in carrying in regards to opposition. I don't know what you're facing today. But I do know this, that that opportunity is providing you, or that, sorry, that opposition is providing you an opportunity to see God as bigger than. That that in the midst of the consequences you're sitting in, That God is providing you an opportunity to see him as bigger than those consequences. That in the midst of the circumstances you face, that you may go, man, these circumstances are unjust. John, none of this is fair. It's not about being fair. It's about will you in that moment make or break, you decide how you're going to view those. And you decide if you're going to view them as these circumstances are providing me the opportunity to see God as bigger than what I'm facing. Church, the God almighty that we came here to worship, that we came here to, because he's worth serving, the God that we showed up for today, he's bigger than whatever you're facing today. Those fears that you have because of what you see around you, he's bigger than those. And the make or break is, will I decide that, God, you are bigger than everything I am sitting inside of right now? And so we all have a choice. We all have a choice. We all got our stuff. If we prayed at everybody with a mic up here all day long, we'd all have our stuff. But the question is, today, do you see God as bigger than? And is he providing opportunities for you to see that he's bigger than? So God, we come before you today. So grateful for who you are and how you love us today. God, I'm so grateful for stories where people were just faithful to following you. Where men and women chose that in spite of what was going on, God, they were just going to worship and they were just going to follow you and keep doing good. So God, this morning, I just pray over us, your bride, your church, your family. God, would you meet us in this space? Would you remind us that you're bigger than everything we face? God, would you encourage encourage the hearts that are discouraged this morning? Would you lift them up in fresh ways? Those that are in the room that... God, they struggle to raise their hands because of what's going on. Would you give them a freedom this morning to raise their hands? Some who are in here and they're like the slave girl. They just don't feel any freedom. Would they find freedom in Christ today? Would they find that Jesus has set them free? Those in the room that have made bad choices and sit under the weight of those choices, God, would you show them that you're much bigger than those choices today? that even though they feel the pain of consequences and they feel the pain of decisions, that you're the God who walks in the midst of all that. Would you lift their head to see you as we sing and we worship together? So God, we're so grateful for you. We're so grateful that you have saved us. We're so grateful that you have gone to a cross to rescue us. We're so grateful that that you have brought forgiveness and freedom for each one of us. I pray that we would experience and find it this morning. Thank you for grace and mercy. We love you. And everybody said.